I'm Stephanie Schischler with Schischler Farms in Mason, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We sure appreciate you taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're seeing beef production on the rise. Normally, when production goes up, prices go down, but that's not the case. Both production is going up and beef prices are expected to go up over the next year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As has been the case pretty much statewide, crops in the Texas High Plains really suffered this year. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you a veteran crop consultant's perspective. The first measurable rain in quite some time fell recently in the coastal bend of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on its impact on pasture stock tanks and winter crops in the region on Texas Ag Today. The American Farm Bureau Federation was joined by representatives of the National Milk Producers Federation, dairy cooperatives, processors, state dairy associations, and dairy farmers from across the country for a successful, first-of-its-kind, industry-wide federal milk marketing order form. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Here's a combination you don't see very often. Beef production is going up over the next year. Usually when production is up, prices go down, but that's not the case, according to USDA Outlook Board Chairman Mark Chekanowski. First, here's the production forecast. Our beef production forecast, we raised by 130 million pounds, up to just over 28 billion pounds for 2022, reflecting a little bit of an uptick in slaughter pace and higher carcass weights. And then for 2023 beef production, we raised our forecast by about 30 million pounds. And he's also forecasting a nice jump in fed cattle prices over the next year. Steer prices, we raised this month by 36 cents per hundredweight, just based on observed prices currently forecast for 2022 at $143.15 per hundredweight. We didn't make any change to our 2023 steer price forecast, so that remains at $153.50 per hundredweight. That's up $10.35 year over year. Jekinowski says strong demand is pushing beef prices higher, and a higher export forecast is part of that. It takes a long time to bring a new seed variety to market. Not long ago, it took nearly 20 years to develop a new variety. 
But I spoke with the BASF North American Cotton Breeding Manager, Corey Mills, in Lubbock recently, and he told me new technology is allowing that process to move much faster. The tools that are available are just amazing, right? Even 10 years ago, a lot of manual work, a lot of people walking through the fields, making selections. Um, Now we're able to, to gather data. Um, from the the genotype and the phenotype. So just looking at the plant in the field and looking at the DNA and combining that into a model. But in addition, we have a drone that we can take out in the field. So instead of us taking days uh, to look at material, that drone can look at it in an hour and give us a different perspective, right? It gives us an aerial, aerial view, so it helps us to make better decisions. That and other technology has made a huge cut in the time it takes to develop a variety. Yeah, it takes uh, 9 to 10 years, when previously, just 5 years ago, it'd be 12, 12, 13 years. So we've already shaved off at least 2 years off of uh, the program, and, and the time in breeding is a critical factor. So I would say we're definitely making progress and we're being successful. Corey Mills, North American Cotton Breeding Manager for BASF in Lubbock. Crops in the Texas High Plains really suffered this year. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. For more than 30 years, Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid has worked with farmers in the Texas High Plains. And he says the 2022 growing season in our region really stands out, but not in a good way. This is probably the second toughest year I've seen as far as summer conditions. You know, it's probably wasn't quite as bad as 2011. Maybe for some people it was, but I'd rank it second in toughness as far as heat and drought. And indeed, local crops are showing the scars of harsh weather conditions. Harvest for all crops is underway in our area, with corn being the farthest along. And here's what French has observed on production for that particular crop. Yields are off from last year, I'd say, on our irrigated corn yields are off 10 to 20 percent with good irrigation water and can be off 20 to 50 percent or more with limited irrigation water or dryland situations. So extremely tough year for our growers in the Texas High Plains. But even in a tough year, some farmers will have a better time of it than others. French says those who were able to pre-water their fields ahead of planting really helped themselves. And another strategy that paid off was planting a little bit later than normal, which helped reduce water evaporation loss during critical development stages. The normal time to plant corn in the Texas Panhandle is probably like mid-April to mid-May. But this year we saw that the later planted corn, you know, late May, early June, has done a lot better than the corn that was planted at what we consider normal just because when that peak water you hit, we had pushed that back into august instead of in july and we had a lot of intense heat there if you remember back in july with temperatures over 100 degrees and and some wind and absolutely no rain tomorrow russell french talks winter wheat i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network many areas of texas have received some rainfall over the past week tom nicoletti says the coastal bend got some of that rain to report more about that, uh, we go to Harvey Buring in the Corpus Christi area for uh, today's report there. And Harvey, uh, this is the first measurable rain during the month of October in that area, correct? Actually, since September the 25th. So, uh, yes, sir. Very welcome. Many of the locations in the area got at least a half inch, while other areas were fortunate enough to get over an inch. And certainly welcome, needed to keep that pasture grass growing, although cooler temperatures are going to slow it down some. 
Yeah, certainly. This rainfall, Harvey, is going to be good for uh, stock tanks, uh, pastures, and any winter crops that farmers are uh, planting or already have planted. Good news for them, right? Yes, sir. Uh, About the uh, primary winter planting activity is wildlife food plots and then uh, some agricultural uh, producers who have cattle do put in some winter grazing plots. And uh, certainly many were holding off for uh, some beneficial rains to uh, get that germinated and off to a good start this fall and winter. Certainly, though, not a drought buster. You folks uh, need more rain out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's uh, been pretty general out in the brush country. Laredo, Catula, all showing reports of uh, an inch or better. And certainly South Texas needs it, needs a lot more. But we're going to be proud to get this rainfall down in the soil where it can do us some good. In the meantime, uh, across the region, uh, a number of activities happening this fall uh, for youngsters, uh, ag awareness type of activities. So talk about what's going on there and when things are going to be happening. Just wrapped up the uh, San Patricia County Ag Awareness Days for the fourth grade kiddos. Uh, They took place the 18th through the 20th and Uh, Also, the Jim Wells County Fair took place uh, last week over in Alice. They just wrapped up. And starting this week, uh, Ag Awareness Days in the Nueces County area. Hopefully, we'll have around 1,000 kiddos, fourth graders from uh, the Corpus Christi and surrounding school districts and some of the rural school districts in Nueces County taking place the 25th through the 27th of the month. Always a great time to expose those young people to what our farmers and ranchers do to put uh, food on their table and uh, the clothing that they wear on their backs. Harvey, thanks for your report. Thank you, Tom. That is Harvey Buring reporting for us today from the coastal bend of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The American Farm Bureau Federation was joined by representatives of the National Milk Producers Federation, dairy cooperatives, processors, state dairy associations, and dairy farmers from across the country for a successful first-of-its-kind industry-wide federal milk marketing order forum. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. Farm Bureau hosted a federal milk marketing order form in Kansas City, Missouri over the weekend. AFBF economist Danny Munch says the discussion focused on several topics. The turnout was great. We had over 180 farms, cooperatives, processors, and other industry-adjacent organizations represented. We had four different panel sessions with a variety of different speakers about differing dairy issues, including class one pricing issues, class three and four pricing issues, and then general ways to simplify the federal order system. All of our members were very engaged, and there was just really this sign of goodwill and cordialness between the attendees. The three-day event was in response to Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack calling on the dairy industry to come together. So in the past, the dairy industry has often been looked at as factioned. Farmers often separate from their co-ops or separate from processors. So to bring them together under one roof and discuss these issues was the intention. And I think at the end of the conference, it really was a strong, resounding yes result that that happened. Everyone was able to listen to each other and just a strong feeling of unity across the industry after those discussions. Following the event, AFBF and the National Milk Producers Federation concluded with a unified goal. We were able to put together a statement with the National Milk Producers Federation, as well as a number of other dairy organizations that basically committed to modernization of the federal orders. We all support the existence of federal orders and supporting the dairy industry, and we're just generally encouraged by all the healthy discussion. Learn more at FB.org. 
From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. A salamander found in Texas could be listed as endangered or threatened. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many dogs and cats are in chronic pain. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many dogs and cats are in chronic pain, but Dr. Bob Judd says they don't always show symptoms of pain. Since our pets can't talk, it is hard to determine if they are in pain. Dr. Mary Sanders from Sealy is a member of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association, and she indicates at texvetpets.org that signs of pain in pets can be increased sleeping, inappropriate urination and defecation, poor quality hair coat due to lack of grooming, less interest in playing, and a reduced appetite. Also, sometimes vocalization, chewing or biting at their body, or a behavior change could indicate pain. Arthritis is the most common cause of chronic pain in pets, and if you have a dog or cat over nine years of age, it is likely they have some degree of arthritis and pain. In many cases, weight loss is the number one treatment for arthritis, as if many pets would lose enough weight to be thin, they likely would need less pain medication. And I'm not saying weight loss is easy, but can be accomplished with a dedicated owner and your veterinarian's help. There are hundreds of joint supplements available for animals, and I think some of them do help in cases of mild arthritis. Adequin can be very helpful in treating arthritis, and although it is an injection, most owners can give the injections at home. The advantage of Adequin is there are virtually no side effects as can occur with other medications. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, or NSAIDs for short, are the most popular medications for treating pain and arthritis in dogs, but can have an effect on the liver and kidneys. So we recommend checking a blood panel every six months on dogs that use these medications long term. There are other pain medications that can be used for arthritis as well. So just realize your older pets may be in pain and not show pain, but your veterinarian can help. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A salamander found here in Texas could be listed as endangered or threatened. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has finished an initial 90-day review of a petition to list a salamander found in the Edwards Plateau as threatened or endangered under the Endangered Species Act. FWS reports it has found substantial information that the listing of the Pertinalis River Spring salamander may be warranted and it intends to add the species, along with three others, to the National Listing Work Plan and initiate status reviews for each of the species. The Pardonalis River Spring Salamander is a yet-to-be scientifically described member of the Central Texas Salamander genus Eurecia. 
The salamander was studied by the University of Texas at Austin in 2019 and determined to be a distinct new species closely related to the Barton Spring salamander, which is listed as endangered. The Perdinalis spring salamander can be found in northeastern Blanco, northwestern Hayes, and southwestern Travis counties. According to FWS, the Edwards, Edwards Trinity, and Trinity aquifers and their related springs in central Texas provide critical habitat for the genus of salamanders. The other three species reviewed by FWS are the tall western Pinstemon, a plant found in the Pacific Northwest, the southern population of bog turtle found in Georgia, the Carolinas, Tennessee, and Virginia, and the ghost orchid found in Florida and Cuba. FWS notes that its findings, a substantial 90-day finding on the petition to list the species, is a relatively low bar. It just means the person or the group that petitioned Fish and Wildlife to list the species has provided information that listing the species may be warranted. The next step is for FWS to complete an in-depth status review and analysis. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It is time once again to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Department of Agriculture released its weekly export sales reports on Thursday, and that did impact the commodity markets. The cattle complex traded mostly higher throughout the day on strong domestic demand and a decent weekly sales export report. Feeder cattle were impacted as corn was trading higher after four straight days of trading lower. October live cattle up 42 cents to 149.77. December live cattle up 32 cents to 151.67. October feeder cattle up 35 cents to 175.57. November feeder cattle down 52 cents to 177.55. Box beef was higher Thursday, choice up 93 cents to $254.32, select up 21 cents to $222.40. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. I spoke with Benny Cox this week about the sale he had in San Angelo Tuesday. Benny, how did it go? You know, we ended up with forty-one thirty-two slaughter nannies. They sell for a dollar to a dollar fifty-five, mostly one sixteen to one thirty-three. Slaughter billies are still okay. We had some of those thinner, kind of smaller billies bringing in that one seventy on up to as high as two thirty-five. And that's one thing that's kind of got people. You know, some of those thinner Spanish billies that don't weigh, you know, hundred, hundred and ten. I'm talking about, you know, three or four, five-year-olds. But some of those old big things are more desirable to those guys apparently. 
differently. You get some of those big old high percentage bore bore crosses that weigh up there in that 170, 80 pound range. They're more likely to bring 220 plus than those other billies. The wool feeder lambs that we sold yesterday, seller race from 135 to 150 on most of those. Um, of course, we had some of those real life things that sold up there crazy high. Still seeing a few of those wool lambs that are coming out of the show bunch. They're sheared, you know, and all that stuff. So I guess you'd call them wool type lambs, but some of those real lightweights will sell them up there in that $2 plus at times. Looking at these lighter end of these hair sheep type going to slaughter, mostly $2 up to as high as 308 on some of those real light chunks. And I think went to slaughter, you know, way up there in that 55 pound range or so. The heavier weights, those over 80 uh, from 110 all the way up to 255. And I'm going to have to say that 255 probably that could have been you lambs that could have either went to slaughter or not. The slaughter you 60 to 92, but mostly 69 to 80. Kid goats sold in a range from 170 to 308, mostly 267 to 299 with some of those light feeders up as high as 370. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cox. They call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office is same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. December lean hogs were down 35 cents Thursday to 87.02. February lean hogs up a dime to 89.10. October class 3 milk up 8 cents to 21.83 a hundred weight. November class 3 milk down 9 cents to 21.21 a hundred weight. Cotton was lower Thursday following a poor export sales report from USDA. December cotton down 89 points to 77.40. March cotton down 71 points to 77.26. December corn up five and three quarters to 6.84. March corn up five and a half to 6.90 even. December hard red wheat up eight to 9.49 and three quarters. March hard red wheat up eight and a quarter to 9.48. November natural gas fell eight cents Thursday to five thirty seven. December natural gas fell seven cents to five eighty five. November crude oil up sixteen cents to eighty five seventy one. December crude oil up nine cents to eighty four sixty one. The Dow down thirty seven points to thirty thousand three hundred and eighty six. The S and P five hundred down twenty one points to three thousand six hundred and seventy four. The Nasdaq down 47 points to 10,633. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.